So I had a few uh, interesting uh, happenings after shows recently. So this past this past weekend, Friday night, I'm doing a show, and keep in mind, like I've just been on the road, and then as soon as I got back home, I got a spot at the comedy store. So, needless to say, I've been on my best behavior when I've been on stage. I've been doing the greatest hits. I've been doing the main shit, you know, because you're in these new places and you're opening for somebody. And, like, the goal is when you're featuring for, like, a headliner that's got, like, a decent-sized fan base and people are coming out, sometimes GMs and the club owners are going to be there. And you've, you you want to fucking do well so then you could come back there and headline. Oh, by the way, um, I'm not going to announce the dates yet because not all of them are booked. But I will be headlining uh, East Coast and Midwest Tour in 24. So uh, if you're out in those markets, tap in with your boy. Anyways, um, and that's why we play the greatest hits. And I'm also like one of these comics where like I, I will perform based on what the cover is. I don't like it's been like shows with no cover where I've gotten like it's been like a $50 spot, a $100 spot, what have you. And it's been shows where it's like a, a $20 cover and a $20 spot because <laughs> it's like it's like eight comics on the motherfucker or whatever. You know, like I've done all these different types of shows based on like pay scale and, and whatever because that's that's how comedy works you get up a bunch of times a week and the pay varies and anyways um point being though i'm somebody where it's like i don't like when i perform at a free show or like a show where there's no cover it's not that i don't try it's just there's a certain way that you put that like i at least me and i think other comics do this some comics do but where it's like you don't adapt to the room the same way because people that are in the room when they paid $20 don't come in the room like when they paid $15 and they don't come in the room like when they paid 10 or it's free and so on and so forth. And I've done shows where like the covers like $30, $40 because there's also like it comes with like food and beverage and there's like a dinner earlier part of the show. Those shows are kind of done in more rural areas. Anyways. The point is, like, like people don't come in and experience the show the same way, so I adjust to that. But I have been needing to work out. I, I've been needing a set that's for me. Like, a, a thing that, like, filmmakers have is they'll be, like, I don't know, like, Spike Lee, like, like when Spike Lee did Inside Man, he was like, all right, that's one for them. Like, directors will be, like, or, like, Scorsese, when he did, like, The Departed, it's like, all right, that's one for them. That's one for the studio. And then Scorsese will do some shit like, um silence like a movie you would like about two priests no leo no leonardo dicaprio no robert de niro and it's just like yeah that's one for me so i needed a set that was one for me because i've been because i'm tired of my like and i got like new shit i want to work out but i didn't want to work out my new shit i didn't want to do my main stuff i didn't want to dust off some stuff from like you know five six seven years ago i just kind of wanted to talk to the crowd and vibe out you know but not in like a a kind of like Gerard Carmichael kind of way where I'm just kind of being, cause that's the thing that like, I do feel Dave Chappelle and, and Gerard Carmichael kind of like ruined a segment of black comedians. Cause niggas is just so into working out now. You know what I mean? Like the pussy niggas saw like Gerard. And by the way, I like, I've met Gerard. I like Gerard. I respect Gerard, but I'm just saying it's like them niggas saw like Gerard Carmichael pull out like a, a notepad or look at notes on an HBO special. And they're like, that's so groundbreaking. Oh my God. Yeah, you can always work out. It's art. It's like, 
This is the you niggas need to perform for fly black women, uh, well behaved ghetto people, rambunctious Mexicans. Like you guys need to perform for like, cause like if you just keep performing for these white folk and these like artsy niggas. They will not keep you honest. Like, look at what happened to Hassan Minaj. I was actually gonna like save this for a later segment, but fuck it, I'll just I'll step on it now. Hassan Hassan Minaj, he like he had to like basically pull like a a fucking some shit that would happen to a rapper in the '90s, where like they pull up your past and you gotta like fucking defend it. Because he was like, yeah, like my daughter didn't really have anthrax sent to her. Like it's a fucking joke. And then pe- people were like, what else is he lying about? And then he had to uh, go back in his past and then. Then, like, the New York Post did something where they accused him of lying about stuff in his act. And he's like, no, I really did have a, a white girl that uh, wouldn't go out to prom with me because I was brown. And da 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 And he had to talk about it. <laughs> Yo, it was funny. Sammy was, like, was uh, playing this shit from his phone <laughs> and, and uh, when we was on the road in Detroit. And then <laughs> about the part... <laughs> This is fucked up. What about the part where he's like, yeah, and she wouldn't go out with me because I is brown. And yeah, like, that hurt me. Like, I, I wrote about it. And then Sammy said, what a bitch. And I said, oh, come on, give your boy a chance. He was young. <laughs> is that kind of like... I thought it was... <laughs> Nobody laughed, but I thought that shit was funny. You know, niggas expressing their feelings. Ah, anyways. um, No, but, like, Hassan has, like, a very white fan base. And now that they're... And, like, I, I... My theory... Yeah, he's funny. Yeah, he's a good comic. Blah, 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 blah. Who cares? My theory is that certain white people gravitate towards certain black artists, uh, non-white artists of color, if you will. God, I fucking hate saying that. Of color. But like, like, I, like, I think they gravitate towards that because it's like they're getting like somewhat of a, a safari experience. And I'm not saying that like these people don't appreciate his joke writing or whatever. But it's like, I think like the same the these type of NPR white folk that fuck with Hassan, that fuck with Trevor Noah, that fuck with he's my he's my man. But Michael Che, um, Gerard, and and certain types of comedians. Is like they feel like they're getting some sort of authenticity. And then it's like, oh my god, he's lying? Oh, how can it be? You know, I, I think there's something to be said for that, you know. Anyways, that, that's why I try to perform for like, you know, the streets. But with that said, I, I needed a, a, a set that was for me. Because I do try to, you know, like, like I don't perform for the back of the room, the comics. You know, I I perform for me, but it's like I really do care about the audience. Like I really, especially on weekends, I really give a fuck about the audience on weekends. With that said, <coughs> I get on stage and I'm doing crowd work, but I'm doing and it was they were all kind of like uniformly like it was a diverse crowd, but they all kind of felt like they were on the same page in terms of what they found offensive, what they're willing to laugh at, what was too far. And I just didn't like that. Like, I don't like when I'm in a room and everybody's just kind of on the same page. Like, this should be like, like, I like a little bit of chaos. I like feeling like 
Y'all, uh, not all of y'all in here voted for the same motherfuckers. Some of y'all didn't vote. Some of y'all, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I appreciate, that's, you know, that's probably why I liked performing in the Midwest so much. Like, I really enjoyed performing in um, Columbus and Milwaukee and uh, Chicago and shit like that. Because it's like, yeah, not everybody, I mean, there's a reason they called them the swing states. But anyways, so I get, let me tell my fucking story. So I get on stage and I'm doing... I'm doing crowd work and I'm doing the type of crowd work I normally don't do. I'm asking like more questions. I'm asking like questions that I normally don't ask. And it's not going well. I'm I'm like bombing. Like like it's it's a few laughs when I like joke about the fact that I'm bombing, but I am bombing. And also like when I got on stage, like I don't know how to put this, but there was something about me where I'm like I can't tell a fucking joke to these people. Like I could do a set and it would be fine, but I'm no I don't, you know what it is, it's like, it's nights where it's like, I would rather go up there and have, and bomb, and it be interesting, than just have an okay set with my tried and true material, if that makes sense, like, I'd rather just be like, well, fuck it, we're gonna blow up, you know, like, we're gonna, you know, we, we, we fucking crashing this motherfucker, as opposed to, like, we have a, like, a, a, a rough landing, if that makes sense, anyways, then is 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 this pretty light skinned black girl in the crowd, and she's with her mom, and that you know they 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 got them like a bottle of wine, and they 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 look very nice, and she's dressed the, the the daughter, the mom is like just very done up, you know, looks like she could be like from Atlanta or some shit, done up in Atlanta way, not in like a New Yorker or LA way, like done up in Atlanta way, and the daughter looks very LA, like because there's a way that like people in LA dress casual where it's like. I, I, it was a girl in high school uh, I knew, that, uh, and she called it, her name was Mason, she called it uh, Bummy Fresh, and, she, and where it's like you're wearing some, some like fly sweats, a fly hoodie, you're wearing like uh, a hoodie with shorts, you know, it's like, it's like you very, you, you dress under, but it's still like, if that makes, you know, you're wearing some like Gap or some Levi's, and it, it just looks, it looks right. So I'm talking to her and then like and it, from the stage, of course, and she's she's like telling me she's like a filmmaker. Then she and then I'm like, like, oh, you got siblings. And I'm at, it, it just, I'm asking shit. I normally don't ask because I, I need to like fucking experiment. And then she and then I'm, she's <laughs> I said and I'm like, yeah, I'm the only child. And then she said, oh, I'm sorry. I said, don't be sorry. It's like, you know, I'm going to I'm going to inherit everything. It's like I it's more attention for me. This is fucking great. <laughs> and then she says. Does your mom make a lot of money? I'm like, what the fuck is <laughs> this shit? And I'm like, so I was like, damn, this, what are you, my high school guidance counselor? And then I move on and I move on. And then like, um, like a lot of Lyle Barron's uh, bombing sets. If you've seen Lyle Barron's bomb live before, I get very defensive. It's like I'm like, all right, I'm no longer playing offense. Then I just started, I started like just saying to the crowd, like, look, I'm not for you. You guys aren't for me. This just isn't a good fit. And I'm not saying you guys are a bad audience. I'm just saying you guys are too much on the same page. And you guys aren't welcoming my chaos. And look, I'm a real nigga. And that's why this shit ain't working. Like, y'all don't want real nigga energy. And then they start laughing. They start getting into it. And then I start going. And then I, I'm like hitting every table. I'm like, and I, I hit every table. And I tell them why they didn't like me. And it, it's, as I go through every table, the laughs get bigger and bigger and bigger, and it starts working because you know, the truth is a motherfucker. <laughs> and I'm going through every table, 
And then eventually, at one point, the girl, she says, um, the girl that I was talking to earlier, she says, um, when's the last time you were in love? And I was like, I'm not about to bum this crowd the fuck out. <laughs> like, talk about it. Talk about when I was 27 years old, hanging out with a 22-year-old Italian girl and Santa Barbara for the weekend. Mm. I'm sorry. I had a moment. All right. No. So I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like, she's like, tell us about the last time you were in love. And then what? We just did. You just feel me have a moment. Did you feel me just go down memory lane right now? Anyway, she's like, tell us about the last time you were in love. And I said, oh, when I was uh, at a comedy show in Koreatown, performing inside of a tent and fr- and I was performing uh, in front of the girl when she was next to her mom huge I obviously said it smooth smoother than that on stage in the moment huge fucking applause breaker he was like yeah yeah and then like guys are screaming get the number get the number get the number then I do all that then um I close out the show and then as soon as the show's over, the girl comes up to me and she like just hugs me with a wide open hug. She hugs me like she knows me, and like you know, like when you see uh, like an NBA player after a game. Uh, yes, I'm about to compare myself to LeBron James again on this podcast. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, you th- you thought I was only gonna do that once. Oh no. So. She, it, it's it's like when you see like you know one of them niggas will go up and like hug Drake. I mean Drake, Drake hugs Drake likes hugging basketball players. This is thing. But or you'll see or you see like the you know the like dap up Michael B Jordan or something or, or Denzel. It was one of them, or, or, or J Cole. It was one of them types of moments where it's like she came up to me. I just got done performing. She hugs me and then we're talking and then uh, Gary Anderson is there who's been on this pod. I need to have Gary Anderson back on. Um, but Gary Anderson is on. It, it was uh, hosting the show and then Gary Anderson says, "Aren't you on a Netflix show?" And then she's like, "She's like, mm, I am." He said, "You're you're the lead on. You're not the movie, but you're." On the show on Dear White People. You're the lead, right? And she said, yes. Yes, I am. And I, I could tell she didn't want to be recognized. And he's like, oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. And then, and then we had the moment. And then the mom was super complimentary. And she was like, yeah, I hope to see you guys again. I hope to see you guys again. And I was like a little upset that it wasn't just about me. She said all, she wanted to see all the comics. And I'm like, can you kind of make this about me? <laughs> and, uh, and then she's like, uh, and then she, and then I, I guessed on point that she was from Atlanta. And anyways, that was like, that that was a fun moment. That 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 was a very fun. Mo- that was like just a very LA moment where it's like you don't know who you're performing for. And it's funny. Then then Gary was like, Gary's like, yeah, man. I mean, it's like you know she, she wanted to do something kind of low key, and this was the like the right thing because it's like you know if you had like the Laugh Factory or the Comedy Store, like that's too big. But then it's like there's a level below this. It's like a little too underground and dirty. And this was like the right level for them. Like because, you know, like the way she's dressed is like she's kind of like she's keeping it on the low and she just wanted like something chill. Last night, her mom's in town. And then it's funny. Everybody was like when I was on stage, everybody was gassing me up to get the number. And let me tell you, so this is like some shit about L.A. You could talk like all this like, oh, man, I'm going to. 
I'm a fucking actor. I'm a fucking celebrity. I'm a, like, fuck all that. Just like, <laughs> like, like through Trev, like I know, like I have like a buffer between like, uh, you know, working actresses that like are on shows or, or will have like little guest episode arcs. And I'm just like, you know, they doing some things that I'm not doing. And I just kind of don't want to go over there. Like now, a chick that's like making more than both of us that like works in tech or finance or whatever. I got no problem shooting my shot over there. But it's something about a woman that's also in entertainment, but is doing things on a certain level that you, well, I mean, it's also like, you know, if you're acting, it's like, well, yeah, you're going to be on the screen. You're going to be on networks and what comedy it's like, you're going to be on the road and you're, like, you're not going to be the, the, uh, media medium is not the same, but it's like, we get, <laughs> I don't know how to explain it. It's like, it's like every nigga think that like they can pull Rihanna until they actually fucking are in the same room with Rihanna, you know. Not that I was going, but that's funny. I was said to Gary, I was like, I was like, hey, you think I should try to get a number? Like, like you think I should try? And Gary's like, no, no, just leave it where it's at. You left it in a good place. Just leave it there. Just leave it there. And I'm like, yeah, nigga, you right. <laughs> It's not like it's not like oh you're lacking confidence, Lyle. It's like no, nigga. It's like like I played out like what does this really look like? Me me trying to like get at her. Well, especially like the way that like she came, like she hugged me. It was just very like I see you as an artist, and that is all, nigga. <laughs> I, I had so much fun that night. Well, I mean, outside of like the yeah, business bullshit. And that was a $15 cover show, if you must know. So, um, oh yeah, then it's funny. Then Gary, then Gary gonna message me. He said, he said, uh, oh, let, let me find this. He said. I'm trying to find this because it was really funny. So she, so the girl was like in some, uh, he said, I went home and watched that girl's latest movie where she has lesbian sex with Allison Williams. And I said, a word, was it good? And Gary said, I didn't like the way she said I'm wet. I didn't believe she was. (laughs) (laughs) Gary would have no problem with me repeating that, by the way. He'd be fine with that. So then I did another show uh, <coughs> recently where it was funny. After the show, I said, um, I, I hosted the show, and it was my favorite show, actually. My favorite free weekday show. It's a monthly show in LA. It's called um, Barrel Proof Comedy, I want to say, but it's at Neat Bar. What Neat Bar is like a really dope uh, spot in like Mid City. And it's re- really dope cocktail. I like it because I drink free there. When I do a show, anyways, so um, get done with the show, host it, and I'm you know I'm like a really good host. People aren't used to saying that shit in L.A. Long story short, show's over, great show. This black kid comes up to me, and then he's like in front of like the producer of the show, who like he also like the the young black kid, and he's like skinny he's like a little taller than me he's maybe like six two six three six two and a half six three because i'm six one so he's, he's you know 
and he's like, hey, man, that was, that was good, man. But, you, you know, you, you could have thrown in some more niggas, though. You know, you could have thrown in some more niggas, you know. But I get it. You perform for white people. And I said, that sounded really forced. And he said, what? I said, all of it. Like, the way you said nigga, the way that you just made a point of saying nigga in front of, like, the white boy, the way that you kind of want to, like, one-up me in some sort of nigga. It just felt like, it felt like you was just really wanted to, like, let him know that like, I'm a nigga, but, like, you wanted to let him know your identity, but you wanted to use me and my comedy for it, and I'm just saying, like, but I'm saying I see you, and then the, the white dude, Brian, he's just fucking laughing his ass off, because it, nigga, is true, and then this kid starts losing his fucking mind, he's like, wait, no, hold on, no, fuck that, see, that's some fucking bullshit, that's some fucking bullshit, like, like, I've been blacker longer than you, okay? You come out looking, you know, I got Thomas Jefferson's grandkids fucking over here saying some shit, and he's not a comic, right? And then I said, like, okay, so you're repeating social studies lessons? Is that, is that what we're doing? And then he, he's like, no, fuck that, man. This is some, this is some fucking bullshit. See, see, you don't fucking people do you. And he's, like, talking so fast. I'm like, all right, calm down, Kaya Sinet. Like, <laughs> that's my new thing. That, like, like, when young niggas, like, be all annoying me and shit like when you gen z niggas annoy me i'm gonna start calling y'all kaya sinet because that that's i don't know you niggas play video games too much so <laughs> it's good and then he tells me like he's from long beach and then and i'm like i've seen it like this and then brian's like i've never seen him affected like this like this is really bothering you he's like no fuck that fuck that i've been black longer i'm like bro how old are you he's like that's got nothing to do with it i'm like nigga i'm 33 how old is you he's like i'm 29 i'm like oh my god how and, and then I said to him, I said, okay, what you need to understand is, like, being a nigga in George Bush's school system is not the same thing as being a nigga in Barack Obama's school system. Like, we had different, and then he's like, and then he's just losing it even more, and then he he's like, he, he from Long Beach, and I said, bro, I can't even understand you, stand you, you talking like a Vince Staples interview, like, okay, so here's the thing, right, on the dead homies, and we'll do you, right, that's on some weirdos, right, because, like, see, in the city, and then and then he flips me off while smiling, and it it, it was really fucking funny. And it made me think like me me and this uh this other comic. I will not say his name because he would actually be mad if I said it on here. But he messaged me and he said, you know, like a new thing I've been doing is I've been playing this game called Black People where it don't sound right when they say nigga. And I'm like. And the first thing I said was, Neil Long. <laughs> he said, my nigga. <laughs> he said, see, this is why you my nigga right here. Like, because... Because, <laughs> yo, like, Neil Long, right? The way Neil Long said nigga in Friday, like, just still does not sit well with me. That scene where uh, Debo, uh, you know, fucks up her sister. And then Felicia, Felicia. When Debo fucks up Felicia, and then they're out in the middle of the street... And then the Nia Long character comes out and she says, you beat on her ass like she's a man. All these other niggas may be scared of you, but I'm not. Like the way she said, all these other niggas. <laughs> and then the other ones that we came up with where it sounds awkward when they say nigga is Nick Cannon. And I'm like, I agree with that. Like Nick Cannon... Nick Cannon be like a little too, because Nick Cannon is like, like now he's in more black spaces, but you know, he started off on like, he was like, he was on Nickelodeon, so like he was, you know, so I'm sure like, you know, when he said like, 
like in front of that like white cast, like you like nigga, you know I like, and you know they're like, oh, oh my goodness, and it was in George Bush's America, Bill Clinton's America. This is a different time. Um, Marlon Wayans, and then I then I was like, man, let me let me look at some bad stand up comedy and go look at Marlon. <laughs> So I go look at I go look at Marlon's shit, and then Marlon's like, hey, "Nickel, nickel, hey, nickel." The one time a white boy can say "nickel," you need to get your nigga past stamp a knuckle pat. And I'm like, "Oh yeah," he says it like he's in a black exploitation movie. And then the other obvious one was Drake when he's not rapping, because like Drake when he's rapping, it's like it, that shit rolls off easy, easily. You know, it's like. Hire some help. Get rid of you niggas. But then there's this clip of Drake where he's it's some inner Toronto rap beef before Drake blew up and that like we just don't care about. And it was before it was like before so far gone. He might have been with Wayne, but anyways, he's like, you know, it's like, you know, I really looked up to him and it's like, you know, like, you know, like that's that nigger, you know? It was like That was that was really uncomfortable. And then I had to think about it, I'm like I've seen a lot of Drake interviews, and I don't think I've ever heard Drake say nigga when just, like, talking. Like, he says it in his music, but it's like, with his music, we know he can switch up accents and shit, like, very well, but, yeah. I don't know. Play that game sometime, especially if you're not black. This is the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'm your host, Lyle Behrens. Thank you very much for tuning in on this fine Friday. So we got a lot going on, man. This is... You know, I didn't want to put out such like a... Do a bunch of heavy talk. But this is going to start off on some heavy talk because we got heavy shit going on, man. P. Diddy got Cosby level allegations Snoop Dogg stopped smoking weed and Andre 3000 is dropping a meditation album we really didn't cherish 2002 like we should have (laughs) oh my goodness so with that thank you for tuning in hope you enjoyed the show All right, let's get the heavy shit out the way first. Sean Combs, P. Diddy, Puff Daddy has some very serious allegations made against him by Cassie. And if uh, maybe you're too young or maybe you're too old, I feel like everybody who listens to this pod is like kind of around my age, which I mean, I probably shouldn't assume. But Cassie was an artist that uh, this uh, producer who went on to be a super producer, Ryan Leslie. Uh, and Ryan Leslie was in a relationship with Cassie when... Um, they had a song called Me and You that just fucking popped off on MySpace. It was like a bunch of people made it their song. It was like, it was kind of like going viral before like we even had a word for going viral. And um, Diddy signed her because he liked her. She was like 19 and eventually Diddy stole her from Ryan Leslie. Nice little Connecticut love story. Stole her from Ryan Leslie and, um, you know, they, they were in a relationship for many years and then they broke up puff got back with kim porter and then 
uh, Kim Porter, who uh, eventually, you know, she she passed away, and then he's uh, with a bunch of other young girls, and he's ha- having kids with these uh, women in their early twenties, and he's in his early fifties, and and that's what's happening. So, um, Cassie, who was also once signed to Bad Boy Records, accused. Combs of rape and repeated physical abuse over about a decade in a suit filed in federal district court in Manhattan. Cassie, uh, who, who had been a, a longtime romantic partner of Puff's, said that not long after she met him in 2005, when she was 19, he began a pattern of control and abuse that included plying her with drugs, beating her and forcing her to have sex with a succession of male prostitutes while while he filmed the encounters in 2018 the suit says near near the end of their relationship combs forced his way into her home and raped her after years in silence and darkness cassie said in a statement i am fine i am finally ready to tell my story and to speak on behalf of myself and for the benefit of other women who face violence and abuse in their relationships oh and um another thing is uh, allegedly uh, I'm just I, that was me repeating some shit from the New York Times, but uh, allegedly another thing that's also in that is she told Diddy that she was in like a brief uh, had a brief relationship with Kid Cudi, and Diddy bombed his car. Diddy set his car set Kid Cudi's car on fire. And I wish the allegations weren't so serious, because man, I really want to joke about that. Did did he blowing up? But we 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 can't joke. This is a serious time. All right, so look, this is this is one of those things, man, where like I have a relationship with Puff, in in, in terms of what he just kind of meant culturally because to me you gotta understand and this is why like these conversations can be can be difficult to have is like because to me diddy was like well to to, like all of us it's like what's the line uh kanye said on college dropout uh brain power muscle like dane puffy and russell like these guys were like our moguls and and our, our heroes and like even if we didn't love their music even if we thought they was corny they were they still represented something to aspire to even like west coast yeah we love Pac, man fuck all that shit it's like i know i've met tupac and diddy the same amount of times <laughs> you know what i mean it's like and they mean different things to me and what, what puff meant to me was puff to me and i think to like a lot of other people my age is like he was just like a he was like a it's like him and snoop were both kind of like your uncles like jay-z was like your dad that raised you Tupac was like your big brother, maybe your father, if, you know, you never grew up, but, you know, Diddy was like, because, you know, you can't, like, live your life like Pac, you know, past 17, you know, you can't, you know what I mean, but, um, like, they held, they held a certain place for us, right, and and for Diddy, for me, it was like, he was the, the, he was the guy that ran the marathon, then he was, Voter die, and then it was making the band like he was. He was like this entertaining dude, and then like I'd see him in movies. Like I saw him in um, like in like Made and uh, another movie um, Get Him to the Greek, where he ba- Get Him to the Greek, where he, both those movies he basically played like a version of himself, and like he was like kind of menacing. He was he was mean. He was funny. He was charming. There was like a 
the fun aura to him. And not that like a bunch of people are sitting around like caring about like P. Diddy movies or, or like movies that he was in. But I'm just saying like that's my relationship with him. And then he's he had like these like real like kind of fun, catchy, boppy songs. And you know, you would you would hear certain things and like a lot of artists that we love you know, we turned we, we turned a certain blind eye to certain things that we heard that, you know, was a little unsavory. Like, did he have involvement in uh, a, a rapper's murder? Did he, you know, what's going on with his sexuality? And it's like, these are all things where it's like, I wasn't around for that. I don't care what an adult does with another consenting adult in their bedroom, ultimately, because I ain't never going to know. I ain't going to ever see. Like, I don't give a fuck. Like, who cares, right? If you, if you really just grown up about the shit, it's like you don't you don't fucking care. And and there's a certain thing with where I think um, we have a certain reluctancy to because there's a thing like okay with um with a uh, Kiki Palmer because Kiki Palmer just filed like a a temporary uh, protection order restraining order against a uh, uh, light skinned dairy baby daddy right. And people, a bunch of people have been on Twitter like, oh, well, you was, y'all was making content and all this other stuff over Kiki Palmer. Now y'all quiet. Ooh, what's that about? And I think, I think there's this thing that a lot of black men have where we know how quick it is to wind up in the legal system. We know how quick it is to have an allegation just kind of fucking ruin everything for you. So, so when it comes to a thing like Jonathan Majors with a white bitch or, you know, Kiki and her baby dad. What that whole thing really just seems like a mess, honestly. You know, it's it's like, all right, well, he he was fucking tripping over the Usher thing. Then she does the music video with the nigga. Then she's running around saying like she also lesbian, but she in a relationship with the nigga. Like all that shit just kind of sounds like a mess. You know, uh, not giving like anybody, not giving him a pass or anything, but that if he did do that, like, but it sounds like a mess, you know, Jonathan Majors and a white girl, you know, it's like, eh, you know, this white bitch, uh, and then she just recently got charged with something, and it's like, eh, it's just a mess, but when it gets to stuff like this, it's like, okay, we gotta, like, really, really look at who we're dealing with here, and, like, the, the truth is, all our favorite hip-hoppers, Got some shit in their jacket that's unsavory. And that's also the thing is black men knowing black men is, again, it is very difficult. Like, I mean, before you even get to like rappers and millionaires and, and ball and all that, it's very just difficult for just the average black man to go through life. I'm not saying the average black man is a criminal or winds up, but it's not that hard for the average black man to just wind up in the court system or to wind up in a precinct and then get released the next day. So there's a certain sort of reluctancy that we have to speak on certain, to speak on another nigga business, basically. Like we're, we're not like white people. We're like, Oh, well he definitely did it. Oh, well, I mean, come on. Like nobody accuses somebody, you know, it's like, cause we understand like how shit can get to where it is, you know? And it's like, and as I, I just said, um, all our favorite, you know, hip hoppers got some unsavory shit in their jacket. Like Nas got some allegations from Khalees, you know, over being like abusive. Uh, fucking, uh, you know, Tupac. Like, I mean, outside of like, you know, the the rape case he had in New York, he was involved in a thing where it was um, not with a woman, but it was uh, uh, where a kid, where a kid got shot. 
in Marin and it was him and it was another crew and Tupac was found liable and he had to pay the family out uh, over like the 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 shootout that resulted in a young boy getting killed at like a barbecue or picnic and you know um Jay-Z shooting his brother over some jewelry Snoop Dogg's got some shit in his Wikipedia page that isn't the most savory so what I'm saying is do I think all these niggas are evil absolutely not I don't like you are not gonna convince me that all these guys are like the most evil motherfuckers ever you know but in Diddy's case, this is this is a bit different. This is a bit different. But well, this is a lot different in Puff's case because, you know, the, the the thing that's different, I think, with Diddy and all these other guys that you know have like a thing or two, you know, on their Wikipedia page that ain't the most savory, is Diddy's got like just a long, long history, and I'm not ready to just be like, oh, that nigga definitely did that. Well, I mean, if you ask in my opinion, like. I think that nigga's into some evil shit. <laughs> you know. Um, no, nah, man, but he's got a long history. It's like like he threw a party way, way back in, in like the early 90s and it was oversold out and or something happened. It, it was it was like a, a, a much smaller version of Travis Scott with Astro World and it resulted in people getting killed. Um then you got, you know, he you get to him with uh, Biggie and just him having, like, Biggie's his artist. Like, Biggie, Biggie's his employee, okay? Like, let's get it right. Biggie's his employee. He signs Christopher Wallace's checks, okay? Like, you forget all that cute little ad-libbing and dancing in the bed and him shaking his ass in Biggie's videos. Like, that's, that's his fucking employee. Then, you know, he's got him out there in a place he shouldn't be. Big ends up staying too long. Some people are like, no, Biggie wanted to stay even though he was supposed to go, which is it's believable that, like, a fucking 24-year-old would want to, you know, stay in L.A. and keep smoking weed and doing all the shit that he was doing. But, um... Biggie's death. Fucking Tupac's death, right? Um, and we'll circle back on that later. Uh, the shootout in the club with Shine, you know, like you, there's just so many things that you hear. There's, um, certain people from making the band and then like all his artists. And it's like, you know, yeah, Diddy didn't make Mace leave music and, and, and find religion. Yeah. Diddy didn't make, uh, uh, G Depp confess to a murder, uh, that he committed like 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. You know, Diddy didn't make Craig, Craig Mack and Black Rob die before, you know, they turned 55. Yeah, Diddy did, like, Diddy didn't necessarily make some of these things happen, but you kind of can't help but notice something keeps happening in a certain guy's shop. You can't help but notice that everybody that associates with him winds up, like, fucking broke or dead or, like, all this other stuff, right? Then, you know, and it's... And by the, by the way, all the, this shit, like, do I believe these allegations? Yes. Until further notice, I, I've, this shit isn't hard to believe. Because it's like, the impression that I get from Diddy, from, from the impression I get from Sean, and let me, like, make the distinction. Because I, I will always love Diddy. I will always love Puff Daddy. It's Sean Combs that I, I don't know that nigga, right? But... Diddy just seems like a very, like, impulsive guy because, like, the difference is with all these other guys that I mentioned, like, well, I mean, Tupac didn't get a chance to grow. Biggie didn't get a chance to grow. But it's like, 
with Nas and Jay and and Snoop and certain other people, like you may have heard a thing or two, but it's like you don't really hear much after that. You know, it's like okay, this kind of happened over a period of time, or there's, but then after you know, it's you know they the perception is like they calm down. But with Puff, we're always hearing something. Like even in in recent years, you hear about Diddy. Um, the story was because uh, th- this is also why I like which, just a little sidebar, no pun intended. People talk about like Drake and his, uh, he, and he doesn't have ghostwriters. Like the nigga was credit Quentin Miller was credited on those tracks. So it wasn't niggas just found the the reference vocals that uh, Funk Flex leaked, but um. Drake was writing zero to one hundred for Diddy, and then Drake was like, "Nigga, fuck this! I'm gonna put this shit out. This shit too hot. This shit too hot for Puff." Then Diddy saw Drake up in the nightclub, hit him with a two piece, and Drake was in the hospital for a few hours because Puff fucking rocked him good. Right, and and Diddy confirmed that that did happen on a Breakfast Club interview. Then it was uh when Kendrick uh Kendrick's verse on Control. Where everybody like was fucking losing their minds, and he had a line where he said, um, "What did Kendrick say?" He said, "I'm the king on both coasts. I'm the king of New York. I'm a Muslim on Polk, or, or or whatever he said." Right? Then Diddy stepped to Kendrick at a party, and keep in mind, Diddy's like you know six one. He's like a guy like you know he, he definitely looks like he works out. He's no stranger to to the gym. Like I mean, he don't look like he work out like fifty. He looks like he enjoys himself more than fifty. But he also looks like, you know, he'll pick up a dumbbell here and there. And Kendrick Lamar is like five foot five, five six, something like that. J. Cole, six three. J. Cole step in like, hey, bro, chill out. Then J. Cole and Puff got into it. And Puff confirmed that in the Breakfast Club interview. And then also J. Cole rapped about it. He said, he said, I played Puff so much you thought my favorite rapper was Puff. And then who would have figured the last time out of scrap it was with Puff? He said something like that. It, it, like, and then J. Cole confirmed it. Like, yeah, yeah, me and Diddy got into it. Um, then there was a thing when his uh, his son was playing ball at, uh, I want to say it was USC. And I don't know, the, the coach was like riding Diddy's, hard, riding Diddy's kid hard, you know. Yeah, yo, pause, yo, pause. <laughs> but like he, 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 he was on Puff's kid and... I'm sure, like, you know, his kid is probably, like, a little spoiled brat. I'm sure, like, the coach is probably riding him hard. I'm one of those guys. I just think both things can be true. That's, like, if, if, if there's one theme that you'll see on my take on things, it's like, yeah, I'm sure this happened. I'm sure that happened. Um, But, yeah, yeah. And then Diddy, like, he took, like, I, I think it was, like, a kettlebell or some shit. And he, like, hit the the coach over the head with it. So, I mean, like, you hear these stories and then even, you know, going back to, like, Whatever allegedly happened in the club to, I guess a guy threw some money in Puff's face and then he did whatever he did back. So it's like you, there's just these instances of Puff just being very, um, not, not, I mean, obviously emotional, but, um, just you, you hear about these situations of him lacking control. So, I mean, like, yeah, I could, I mean, it's not like a guy that parties that much, a guy that's had that many girlfriends, a guy that's always talking about being in love and out of love, a guy that, you know, is always fucking changing his name, a guy that's kind of manic, like, that. that's not really hard to believe, that, you know, like, like, these allegations ain't hard to believe.
you know. And I mean, just this where the shit is at with Diddy, like you know, Diddy kind of reminds me of of Stringer Bell from The Wire, where he just got too many loose ends. Cause like I said, like like it is really hard to be an entertain well, especially just like like hip hop, but it's really hard to like just kind of go through entertainment for many years and you don't have like a hundred people that'll say that like, you know, you're the fucking worst. Like it's or like they don't fucking like like that it, it is a hard thing to do. It's not many actually you know one of the few people that I know that's kind of universally liked? Gerard Carmichael. I don't know anybody that said like any that's like man, fuck that guy. Like his his fucking um his approval rating is, you know, just off the off the fucking charts. But anyways, nah man, it's Yeah, yeah, no, no. It's this is uh This is some heavy fucking shit. But no, I mean I mean like what well, Puff is you see all that stuff. And then, I mean, because, well, and one thing is, like, I was like, oh, Diddy's, like, not going to do an interview with anybody for a while because you had Keefy D who just got arrested for the murder of Pac. And because he's doing all these interviews and, like, and, like, he was like, yeah, yeah, I gave, like, yeah, I, I, I knew Puff and, like, we talked about doing the hit or whatever, but it's like, you know, he was... Like, it was just kind of, like, and, and from the way that Keefe D has said it in interviews in his book, it sounds like it was just kind of conversation, like, well, what would it take for y'all to, like, you know, hit this nigga, to hit, you know, Pac and Suge, and then he's like, well, shit, you know, nigga, you, and I guess he said a number, and it was just kind of more conversation, and then, like, what, like, I don't think Puff actually paid to have Pac hit, but just the fact his name is in a murder right now, his name is in a murder. Because before it was just like there was enough smoke stream, there's enough conspiracy, there, like there's enough shit going on. But now it's like, but anyways, with that, it's like if Diddy did an interview, you 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 ain't worth shit as a journalist if you don't ask him. Did you ever know Keefe D? Did you ever know the guy that in multiple interviews and a police interview said that he was in the car that killed Tupac? Did you ever know that guy? So I was like, all right, well, Puff definitely ain't talking to no journalist for a long fucking time. And now this thing, I don't know if we'll ever see this nigga do an interview again. Because he got he got a lot of court he got to get through. Um, I, I do not think we'll hear him talk to a professional interview for a long time. No, no, but yeah, I was saying he reminds me of like Stringer Bell. Like even just on a surface level, he kind of reminds me of Stringer Bell because it's like, you know, they're both. Like, they're both guys that are kind of around the streets, but they're not in the streets. There's kind of like a sort of uh, seductive quality that they kind of have or, or a sort of like um, not. God, I'm trying to I'm trying to I'm sorry. My, my vocabulary is kind of like not great at, at this hour, but there's a s- sort of um, sultriness that they have. Um, but they're also like, you know, no, nah, I'm a businessman. I'm a businessman. But if you watch The Wire, like, Stringer Bell's really, like, kind of, like, the most low down out of all of them. I mean, maybe with the exception of Marlo. But it's like, it's like, okay, you had your man's nephew killed on the low. Uh, you had Brother Muzon. You went around the back and then tried to have somebody else hit him and then blame this murder with this op on this and with, with Omar and, uh... The, the the boy Brandon, you know, was, there was just so many things, so many loose ends that weren't tied that ultimately ended up getting Stringer Bell killed. And I look at like a dude like Puff and 
I just really see a bunch of loose ends. You know, it's like Tupac and Keefy D, that's a loose end. You know, um, I don't think he had anything to do with Big's murder. Like, I think he was genuinely kind of fucked up about it. But even just the way all that shit went down, uh, you know, the shooting, the, all the business with Shine. Like, yeah, like, Shine will shake your hand and all that because you're a billionaire in this time. You know, but I just think ultimately all that all that sort of stuff catches up with you. Because you know what? Let's, let's even for the sake put on our uh, Koofy tinfoil hats and let's say like it's just confirmed that he did Sean Combs is hip hop's latest billionaire you know they out to get him right let's let's indulge that okay and, and she sees some money she got buyer's remorse let's indulge all that and let's say that like you know this comes to court Diddy's got some smoking gun. Oh, that, that, speaking of gun, that was another thing that was in the uh, court thing that was allegedly uh, Cassie would carry Diddy's gun. He, Diddy would have, well, excuse me, Sean would have Cassie carry his gun uh, to scare her as like a little passive thing. Like, see, shit like that is like, well, I'm like, all right, this sounds real. Because I can see like just not him, but like I can just see a nigga just being like, yeah, I'm gonna need you to hold this gun for me. And it's like, just as like a sort of like implied threat. Hey, you know what I have? You know what I'm capable of? Anyways. Oh, yeah, like I was saying, like, let's just say with all this shit, let's just say goes to court and there's like the Perry Mason, the Perry Mason moment, the smoking smoking gun moment, where it's like, aha, like there's proof that she was trying to extort him, and there's proof of this, and there's proof that, and and there's like enough stuff for there to be a reasonable doubt that Sean Combs is innocent. Let's just say that. Even with all that said. The thing that I gain from the thing that I gather from all this is that if you do enough dirt, this shit will catch up with you. It's caught up with Donald Trump. It caught up with Jeffrey Epstein. It caught up with R. Kelly. I think that just now into the, like, you know, this isn't our founding fathers. Like we're, you know, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson could be like some fucking pieces of shit, you know, child rapists, slave owners, fucking, don't get me started on the fucking duels, like, duels was, like, a wild thing, like, people just shooting niggas, like, like, hey, man, I challenge, like, hey, I'm gonna shoot your ass in five seconds, but we both gotta turn, like, and you know, I mean, you know the white man, you know a bunch of them duels was not fucking fair, anyways, um, God, that's just so wild a thing, like, people just had beef, and they were just like, all right, we gonna, all right, we're going to shoot each other then, nigga. But, like, we going to have, you know. Anyways, um, the thing I got is, like, you just do, like, you just have your name in enough dirt. It's shit's going to catch up with you eventually. Hey, but we can still listen to that Love album because, like, that nigga only, like, that nigga, like, is barely talking on the album and it's mostly just other artists singing. So I'm just, you know. I'm, I'm sorry, it's a, it's a good album. Murdered and raped, and there was 10 surviving American tourist hostages that were all black. 
There's not one motherfucker in this country that would be talking about cease fire. There's not one person. It would be bring the fucking hostages back and they better be, they better be alive. They better be pristine. There wouldn't be no ceasefire. There would be no run. Can you imagine college students ripping down posters of 10 black people from America if they were taken hostage and 10 others were raped and murdered? Nobody, nobody would be saying shit. The African-American community would be demanding they came back. White people murdered so that is Michael Rappaport once again letting us know he's not a nigga, but bringing niggas into his his uh, fight. So that that is Michael Rappaport on um w- with the phone to his face on I I mean w- with the phone to his face on, on I want to say Instagram or some social media platform talking about how. Basically, that um, all the ceasefire stuff is if uh, it was black hostages, we would give a fuck, but because or black American hostages, which he made a point of saying, but being that you know it's Israelis, Jews, um, people don't have that same attitude, and he is using the way black people are regarded in America or the way he perceives black people to be regarded in America for his um half step in Zionism can we call it that can we call it half step in Zionism because I actually have been hearing like in private I have been hearing some some very half step in Zionism but like without actually saying it because you know a lot of people whether Jewish Palestinian know that I am a vault unless I think it will be entertaining and I don't think that shit will be entertaining so I'm not repeating that shit what certain people said to me um look here's the thing and this is this is two like one there's a quick Michael Rappaport conversation and then there's a larger how black people play in to Israel and Palestine, how black Americans play in Israel and Palestine conversation. So Michael Rappaport, let's get that one out the way first. So Mike, Mike Rapp, I actually did a pod, like I want to say during the pandemic. And I talked about when, uh, Michael Rappaport was going back and forth with Kevin Durant in DMS. And then Kevin Durant, you know, called Mike Rappaport, uh, a, a, a pale cocksucker and all these things. And, he got fined by the league because it was homophobic language, but Kevin Durant, like myself as well, you know, cocksucker is a phrase that I've, I try to purge myself from, you know, because in my mind, it's not like a gay slur. I understand how like it, it it is and how it's perceived to be. That's one of those things we grew up watching mob movies and then the rappers that we listen to like you know biggie and jay-z also listen to mob movies so they got lyrics where they say cocksucker and it's just something that like kind of naturally rolls off the tongue when you're feeling some type of way and it's like you know old habits are hard to break and in the heat of the moment when you arguing with another heterosexual man and da 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 anyways 
I, I didn't really need to say all, I, I didn't need to incriminate myself but, you know and you know I'm just I, st- I stand with Kevin Durant I don't I'm, I'm not saying I stand with Kyrie Irving but I stand with Kevin Durant <laughs> you know how bad I want to get a burner account and talk shit about other comedians and talk shit about like when I have a post to go viral and somebody's saying talking shit about me and saying some shit they don't know about you know how much I want to get on a burner account and fucking talk shit about especially when they do it from a fucking private profile Is when you're really in the game, when you're really in showbiz, it's kind of easy to understand Kevin Durant. Anyways, um, let's get straight into it. So Mike Rappaport has a history of this. Mike Rappaport also um, was uh, sharing videos of just world star type videos of just niggas nigging in you know Chicago and and just. Black street violence, which I have strong opinion. I don't even want to get in all that, but one, I don't even like watching fight videos. I really don't like when, and there's certain things online where it's like, I really don't like it when somebody that's not black sends me that shit. And I really don't like when they fucking post it on their own volition. But Mike Rappaport, he went on the Higher Learning Podcast with uh, Van Lathan and Rachel Lindsay. And he was questioned about that, and he said the reason that he was sharing that stuff is because he felt like nobody really cared about uh, what black Americans were going through, and that's why he shared these videos of niggas fighting in a Waffle House, right? Which contradicts his whole point, and Van Latham made a whole video talking about that, and that's a whole whole thing. I actually played that video from Van's page. But anyways, and he, he gave his response, um... Mike Rapport just makes you realize Gen Z is such a, I mean not Gen Z Gen X is such a fucking disappointment. <laughs> they really really fucking are like just fucking fucking puff fucking uh Andre 3000 don't want to give us no raps. Mike Rapport was in all these fucking movies. With what black directors? He was in a Spike Lee movie. He was in a John Singleton movie. He's like, he was in Next Friday. He uh, he had uh, uh, cameo cameos and rap videos. He was in the uh, Jay Z City Is Mine video where we got to see Jay Z act that, like that one time. Are you trying to get a rise out of me, Officer Rappaport? I swear I can't do a Jay-Z impression anymore. I've just done it so many times. I'm just like, I don't... Like, I've done that Jay-Z impression so many times on stage. I don't even want to fucking listen to Hove. It's fucking sad. Anyways, um... No, it's a fucking disappointment because... Oh, yeah, and uh, he also called Spike Lee a shithead because him and... uh He got mad at Spike because Spike had some opinions about gentrification. And they're both, you know, Brooklyn Brooklynites. And he, he called Spike a shithead, you know? Oh yeah, and he also uh, called like with Kenya Moore. It was a thing where uh, they were on uh, Andy Cohen, and he says something like he took a picture of Kenya Moore's like unlotion feet, and he was like, "Look how ashy she is." And then he something online. I want to say he compared it to a gorilla, if I'm not mistaken. I can't remember. But there's a bunch of shit in his jacket with, with black people that's very very unpleasant. That's very triggering, dare I say. 
And I'm so I don't like the word triggering, but god damn it, Mike, Mike know how to push the nigga buttons. So few things with that. One is really disappointing because it's like it, you know, no matter how much a motherfucker spends time around black people, around the music, I'm sure he's fucked his share of black women in his day. Shit, he probably still well, I don't know. He seems like he's too angry at niggas to like have some black pussy. Unless he's paying for it. No, I mean, well, actually, actually, maybe he really is into it because he's so fucking mad at niggas. He just needs fucking. Anyways, let, let, let me stop writing scenes in my head. Look, it's disappointing because it's like, and it's also just like why I hate this whole thing. Like hip hop brings us together. It made us better. I think it just made us too comfortable because like when we had like soul music and jazz and the blues it was shit that, like, I mean, yeah, it was racism and all that, but it was, like, it was shit that when white people were in black spaces, they would not feel comfortable saying when they at the Cotton Club. You feel me? I don't know why I'm acting like I was around, but you get the gist of what I'm saying. Like, it's, and, and that's the thing that I just really hate about Gen X with race relations is they act like, okay, just because they're not as bad as their parents were, that like they're so fucking progressive and shit and it's like no you guys aren't you guys got some backwards ass things no wonder fucking gen z is so fucking annoying because gen x sucks because those are their kids my parents are boomer i came out lovely um the other conversation here is because i don't want to spend a bunch of time on um, mike rap because fuck him but the other thing i want to talk about is where the average black American fits into this. So there was, um, I'm trying to find a right. So I got a relative that works at a school in LA. Not going to say the school. It's, but it's a, it's a prominent school. The black relative works at the school. And allegedly there was an optional staff meeting about Israel and Palestine. And a number of Jewish faculty attended, and no zero black faculty attended. Expected. I fucking wouldn't attend that shit either. And this is alleged because this relative, I didn't say him or her, so don't don't call my mama. Uh, <laughs> allegedly, uh, at this meeting, the Jewish faculty was very displeased at the black silence on the issue of Israel and Palestine. And, um, yeah. So there is a common sentiment of, there's a kind of, there's been this little sentiment of white Ashkenazi Jews using black people to illustrate a point of anti-Semitism or, People like I'll, I'll just fucking say what it is. Yo, George Floyd, we had y'all back. Where the fuck you niggas at? Like I'm gonna just call it what it is. It's a sentiment amongst some in that community, not all, some. And when I see that, it just lets me know 
that these particular motherfuckers didn't learn shit. I mean, all right, so I'll just fucking spit. I'll just get straight to it. So why are certain black people, well, myself included, not taking a strong stance on Israel and Palestine? Because we can't get niggas to stop killing each other in Chicago. You think we gonna fucking enter the Israel and Palestine chat, nigga? We can't even... Like, you got decades long... Like, in right here where I live in LA, you got decades long beefs with, with certain gang sets, with within certain crip sets against certain crip sets, within bloods and crips, within bloods and bloods. Like, you got shit... I mean, just like the black and Mexican tension that finally kind of calmed down, right? So you have... Decades of this shit, for, and I'm not. I'm not trying to compare. You know, gang violence that started, you know, in the 70s and really ramped up in the 80s and 90s. I'm not trying to compare that to Israel and Palestine because you, you get it's apples and oranges. You can't fucking compare it. But we have our own shit. So for and we know we don't want y'all coming in here telling or talking to us about like Hoover or Rolling 60s, or we don't want y'all talking about. GDs and vice lords. We don't watch y'all talk coming in here telling us about light skin niggas and dark skin niggas. We don't watch y'all coming in here talking about, you know, our shit was hair. Like, there's certain shit where, like, you know what? We will handle this within the community. So, a large black sentiment is we are showing you the same respect that we would want. That's one part of it because I think a lot of black people's natural thing is free Palestine. That's a lot of black folks' natural inclination, especially just being the history that we have. But then we're also aware of it's not that like we care about Zionist feelings more than Palestinian lives. It's not that. It's that we just ain't educated enough to really talk about this shit. We got no skin in the game, and we don't want to fucking burn ourselves in this shit. You know what I'm saying? It's like, this. Well, I ain't about to get... Because you see so many celebrities that, like, take a stand one way or the other, and then eventually they end up coming out, saying some shit, and apologizing. And, like, that's just... And look, I, and look, here's my thing. If you black, and you want to go to the rally, and you want to wave a, a Palestinian flag, I support you. If you black and, and you want to go and wave an Israeli flag, I got some questions. <laughs> I'm just going to keep real. I got some questions. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm curious about some things with you. you know, I, I, I want to know some things. But... Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's really fucked up. If and, and, and look, here's the thing: you could also be uh, Palestinian, you could also be Arab, and be like, "Why aren't you black people speaking out enough?" And guess what? I got the smoke for both of you niggas. <laughs> I got the smoke. Like, whatever. You, if you're like, how come you're not speaking up as a black person? How come you're not? I don't know. That that's something I I I don't. I don't fuck with that. Because what I fuck... I mean, there's certain things where I'm like... Yeah, stop Asian hate. I did not like seeing 
elderly. I don't I don't care if these old Asian people would call me a monkey when I go into their store. I don't care. It's like I am not with fucking beating up old people. I'm not with fucking up any old people. I'm not with fucking with old people. I don't care how racist they are. I don't care what they say about me behind my back. The bottom line is they don't be bothering nobody. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like I could take a clear stance on that, you know, but this thing is just so but you know, it's like but see, and this is here's the thing about the others. At some point, people will remind you, "Yeah, you a nigga, and I'm not." Oh yeah, how come you ain't stepping up in this? Well, because we know what it's like when people step up on our shit, and we don't want to step up in some shit we not fully educated about, and don't. You know what I'm saying? But you know that's that's part of being black in America is no matter what's going on, somebody's going to bring you into it and you're going to just be looking at motherfuckers feeling disappointed in them. All right. So speaking of Jews, Drake, the boy dropped a EP scary hours three. He, uh, he, but he didn't do it separately. He like dropped like, uh, it's like a a re-release on streaming services and it is da-da-da, six new tracks: Red Button, Stories About My Brother, The Shoe Fits, Wickman, Evil Ways, and You Broke My Heart. I, I I I like this. Like the pot is in lighter territory. We 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 just went through like two really fucking heavy things, and it's nice to just kind of like bring the plane down a bit, and it's, it's like, I like, I feel like we're on a plane, and we just got out of like some fucking altitude, like we got out of some turbulence, um, nah man, so Drake dropped, uh, Scary Hours 3, Scary Hours has been like his little EP pack that, uh, he's, he's been dropping, um, it's cool, it's cool, it's like, you know, I, I liked it more than I liked that God Off of For All The Dogs album, you know, he's, he's, he, he's rapping and it's him doing his like long form rapping um on i think i think the track is because i only i only listened to the project like once but i think i think the track is called the shoe fits and it's like a storytelling song and it's about like you know it's basically about like a, a loser dude and his girl moving on and he tells like a whole story and the song ends with and she's fucking James Harden. It almost kind of feels like like if you've ever seen Dave Chappelle live, like he'll tell these really long stories, and then he'll be like, "And it was Ti," <laughs> and then he taps the mic on his thigh, and but he does it in a way where where it, it's kind of like like uh, in that one Netflix special where he said, uh, "What was it?" Um, so then I kicked her in the pussy. It's, it's like like he does shit like that a lot and it's like it, that was actually kind of like a more disappointing version because i've seen dave live and he and what he does is way funnier uh anyways no nah, man the drake ep is cool like i fuck with it it's nice it's it's you know it's him rapping it's like is is no he doesn't give you any joints where you could like really kind of turn up to. There's nothing on there I would listen to in the gym or to get myself hyped before like a show or a meeting. It's it's cool. It's cool long form raps. You know, it's 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 Drake where it's like he's he's really rapping, he's really writing. I'm one of these people where like I don't think I think I don't think Drake like has like a this huge team of ghostwriters. I think he has people like help him touch up stuff. I think he'll have, because he's like a busy guy, I'm sure he has people 
do reference vocals maybe for some stuff he writes or like kind of partially lays down and they fill in some stuff and he picks and chooses but uh, drake is the type of guy i mean i don't know there's just some shit where i'm just like uh, only that nigga could rap that because it's funny if you look at the reference vocals that quentin miller did uh for drake it was like it, it wasn't like the most lyrical stuff it was just kind of more like Feel like Michi, feel like Blue Da Vinci, da da da. Gotta like it, it's just kind of more like his little Bobby shit. But it's like when he does like them raps that are like, you know, five minutes long. I'm like, oh yeah, he like that's Drake like pulling out his iPhone and just like or BlackBerry or whatever, and just you know writing. Um, anyways, or BlackBerry back then, like when we first got Drake. Um, no. It's a cool project. It's I, I think uh, all the credit goes to Joe Budden. I think that's why Drake was so in his feelings because Joe was fucking right on the money with that review. It's a cool project. Like it's not something that like I'm gonna be like, oh my god, this is so amazing. It's some shit that I'll play from time to time. You know, it's I think like I've just kind of come to the conclusion that like Drake just isn't for me anymore. Like. Because sometimes, like, rap, like, Jay-Z isn't for me anymore. Like, eventually, Jay-Z's life changed, and he just got on the suburban dad rap, and, you know, he's just not for you anymore. But anyways, um, Scary Hours 30, it's cool. If, if, like, if you're a Drake, oh, he's got a joint on there with J. Cole that I actually, I actually like way more than First Person Shooter. I don't know, just everything on For All The Dogs, it's like the beats felt awkward, the flows felt awkward, the the way he said the shit felt awkward, what he was saying like, I get it. He can't sound like, you know, the guy. And I've been with every... Because I've been into Drake as he's evolved. Like, excuse me. I think his music has typically just gotten better. Even the projects haven't gotten better. Like, the way that he raps and says shit has gotten better. But now I think it's, it, I think there's just kind of like a, a decline in it. But yeah, this project, you know, it was cute. People think, oh man, he's just sitting, sitting on raps. Or like, he's just holding or holding these raps hostage like i ain't got no raps like that like it's it's it actually feels sometimes it feels inauthentic for me to rap because i i don't have anything to talk about in that way like i'm 48 years old and not not to say that age is a thing that dictates what you rap about but in a in a way it does and like things that happen in my life like what are you talking like i gotta go get a, a colonoscopy like what do you <laughs> Like, what do you rap about? You know what I mean? Like, my eyesight, my eyesight is going bad. So that was Andre3000 talking about why he has not put out uh, a rap album, why he's putting out an album for uh, Chinese restaurants. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I can't. Anyways, look, I fucking get it. Like, I fucking get it. I, I, I get why he's, like, he explained it perfectly. I, I mean, because a thing that people don't really understand about the creative process because a lot of people like think they're artistic a lot of people think they're creative but they're not they like fuck around they get fucked up they have an idea but to 
Well, okay, let me not say that because it sounds a little harsh. I don't, I don't want to say that people can't be creative, but it's like the creative process. Process is something you do regularly. So it's something, and it's like if when you really are in an art form, you got to do that shit every day. You really got to be doing the shit every day for like at least like the first seven, eight, ten years. Like I'm at a point where it's like I don't have to be on stage every night to kill and to come up with good material. Like for me and the way that I work, it helps for me to actually like live and have experiences. So I actually have some shit that I can talk about. Otherwise, like my comedian, my comedy will just kind of get like a little too meta. That's me. Right. And then it's other comics where they just need to be on stage and they'll figure the shit out. Like this is one, this one young comic that, uh, has been, uh, working the door for me in my shows and, and opens for me on the road here and there. And the thing that I told him is he's around too much comedy because I said, like, yo, like, how come most of, like, your jokes are about shit that happened to you when you was a kid? He's, like, 23 years old. And I'm like, how come most of your shit is about shit that happened to you when you was a kid? And he's like, man, I don't know. That's a good question. And it's like, I don't like, like, I didn't like when, you know, older comics would, like, tell me everything about myself because there's some stuff where it's like, you know, you got to, like, even if you got the answers, you got to, like, you gotta you gotta let a young and figure it out for them on their own, but um, no nah, man, but there's there's yeah, there's something to be said for that, like like what your day to day life is like. So I get like why why three stacks is like yeah man, I'm a I'm a play y'all the flute. Cause I think what Andre three thousand sees is that I'm sorry, I also. I'm drinking this, uh, this, normally I let you guys know the wine that I'm drinking earlier on. The last few pods I've been drinking coffee, but I had, I had like a late night workout. So it's like, I got like a bunch of fucking energy and I'm just like, yeah, let's, let's put a fucking pot out. Um, I'm drinking Rutherford Lane Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley. This is a very, it's 2022. It's a very young cab. Trader Joe's. It's like. 21 22 dollars it's so fucking drinkable it's one of these cabs like you don't age just fucking open it have it with a burger have it with a steak have it by itself you'll have a great time um no man but 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 i get like like why you would not want to make music you know (laughs) i get get why you just wouldn't want to do it because i feel like andre 3000 he probably saw what the other guys are doing he probably saw like he probably saw like jay z jay z with a suburban dad rap and it's like Jay-Z, like, Jay-Z's really, really got to be inspired. I think, I feel like after the Black Album, Jay-Z really needed some shit to happen in order to feel inspired. Because, like, let's let's look at, let's look at Jay-Z's post, um, Jay-Z's post-Black Album discography, his post-fake retirement where we all knew he wasn't really retired. So Jay comes back and he drops Kingdom Come. And Kingdom Come was cool. Like it's got some tracks on there that I still play, but yeah. Like like it, it wasn't like as impactful as Black Album or Blueprint or Hard Knock Life or Reasonable Doubt. Like it didn't, you know, capture us. Then he drops American Gangster, and that was like widespread critical acclaim. And that's like that's when like Rolling Stone and all like the mainstream the not just the rap publications was like, you know, we could actually say nice things. I think Kanye really helped them uh, get there. 
But yeah, American Gangster. It's like he saw the movie. Uh, Puff. <laughs> is is Puff gonna be like Cosby now? Where like every time we bring up his name, it's gonna be oh god. Anyways, but yeah, Puff brought him some music from his uh, team of producers, The Hitmen, and he saw American Gangster. And Puff was like, "Yeah, I was saving these beats, but you know, Biggie's dead, and I don't know what to do with them. So I feel you should have them." Um, then Blueprint 3, you know, that was his, like, we got a black president album, because he fucking mentioned texting Obama, like, five times on the album. I imagine, like, Obama listened to Blueprint 3, like, I, 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 I said hey to the nigga one time, now all of a sudden I'm in all these songs on the radio now, you know? Uh, <laughs> no, no, and Blueprint 3 was cool, it's like, it's half Kanye, it's half Timlin, like, it's fine. Kanye was like saving all his better shit for a uh, dark twist of fantasy, so you know. Uh, then he's got Watch the Throne with Kanye. That was fun, even though it's like basically more of a Kanye album. Magna Carta, Holy Grail. That oh, that was that's that was him when he like got in his a uh, suburban dad rap bag. Then we get to um, four four four, where it's like he's got to be like, all right, guys, I admit it. Beyonce is my wife, and I cheated on her. <laughs> and then we finally get like a. A, a interesting dope Jay-Z album again and but all, it's also like even with 444 it's like that's even like an album where it's like I wouldn't say I like I go back to it a lot so I think like uh, Andre 3000 sees that and he's just like I mean is that really worth it for me to like keep trying to figure it out or I need to he's like do I need to cheat on my wife like do what I need to like have dope raps it's like I don't want to do that I don't want to hurt nobody in order to make a good album and then if you look at like fucking Nas with Hit Boy, it's like that's dope. But Andre 3000's like, yeah, I don't know if I could do that for a full album. Like, yeah, I could give a nigga work on a on a guest appearance, but I don't know if I could do that for a full album. But see, this this attitude though that Andre 3000 has is just why like I look at people crazy when they talk about Andre 3000 is in a top five. I, I mean, by the way, it's your top five. You can have anybody that you want in your top five. But I have two different types of top fives. I have, like, my personal favorite top five of rappers. And then I have my statistic top five. Like, my statistic, like, my personal, like, if you just go on my Spotify or whatever and you look at, like, my most played rappers, is Drake, it's Nipsey Hussle, it's Pusha T. Um, I don't listen to a lot of Tupac and Biggie because I want to save them for certain moments, and I'm even trying to like not listen to a bunch of Nip because it's like I gotta save him. Um, but it's that uh, I listen to. Who else do I listen to a lot of? Um, push. Yo, how do I how do I see like I'm on Spotify right now. How, how do I see my my most played artist? It's about to be the end of the year, so it's like, I know they'll tell me. Like, this is who you... Nas, I listen to a lot of fucking Nas. I listen to a lot of Jeezy. Like, you know. Anyways. um, You know, I I think, like, when you're not from... uh, I mean, but anyways, those are my favorite. But it's like, with the exception that, like, my statistic rap top five is, like, totally different than that. But anyways, when people put three stacks in a top five, I'm just, like, kind of annoyed. Because I'm like, well, he doesn't have, like, a full album... Of just him rapping. Like, I'm more... And look, I like outcast music more than I like NWA music, more than I like Ice Cube music, 
But I am more okay with somebody putting Ice Cube in their top five than Andre 3000, if that makes sense. Because I'm like, Ice Cube had albums where he was rapping all the verses, doing the hooks, and or a DJ was scratching something or whatever. Like, But Ice Cube was like... You know, we saw what he did with NWA. We saw what he did on his own. And we saw what he did when he got uh, with Westside Connection. Or when he formed Westside Connection with Mac 10 and Dub C. And it's just like, with Andre 3000, it's like, yeah, you did some really dope stuff with Big Boy. And then you just stopped. Just fucking stopped. So, you know, I think there's... You know what's funny? Even even that, uh, what was that movie, Idlewild? Andre 3000 and Big Boy only had two scenes in that. I think, like, eventually they just became so different artistically. Oh, no, they probably, like... There is something when you've been with a guy for so long, and I can speak to this personally, is when you've you've been working with somebody so long, but your lifestyles change, where it just gets hard to keep working with them. And it's like, you don't want to hate them, so you're like, you know what? I just need to fucking end this right now, because I don't want to hate you. And I'm starting to hate you, and you're probably starting to hate me. Anyways, yeah, no, I mean, I mean, good, 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 good for him making that. Is I, I think it'll broaden some people's musical horizons. Uh, I'm not gonna be able to listen to that project. I, I actually listened to some of it, and it's I can't even like say like what I think of it because it's just not my type of music. And I'm like a guy I listen to jazz, but this is like some fucking psychedelic shit. Because it, it, you know what's funny, like. Andre 3000 is essentially, like, retired. Like, he's... You know what Andre 3000 is kind of like? It's kind of like how you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm, and it's like Larry David done made all that money from Seinfeld on the show. So he's... You just see him, like, just kind of walking around, fucking up people's day, helping people, fucking up their shit. You know what I mean? Like, oh, oh, man, I wonder what the Israel-Palestine shit is going to be on this season of Curb. Because he's, he's definitely played with it before. But and obviously he's never, like, taken a strong stand. There's the, the Palestinian chicken episode. You know, where he's like, Oh, my God, good chicken! And then, and then he's, like, fucking the Palestinian broad. And then she's, she's like, yelling stuff like, Fuck me, Larry! Fuck me, you dirty Jew! And then uh, Funkhauser and some other Jews are walking in this house like, Larry, how could you? How could you? Uh, I, I kind of like when she calls me that. <laughs> and it's just like... It's like, what is this going to look like? I don't, you know, I'm going to be really... Because, I don't know, like, like like Vlad was like... DJ Vlad was calling out, like, Drake and, and DJ Khaled for not speaking out. I'm just... I'm really going to be disappointed if Larry David don't do nothing with this. Mm. And that's all I'm going to say about that. No, but but yeah, yeah. The Andre Three Stacks, man. I'm, I'm, I'm glad he's doing it. Uh, I, do, I personally don't have enough drugs to enjoy it. I, I'm and I don't do the type of drugs. I don't want to get that high. I I got uh the the kid I was talking about that opens for me. Uh, he he gave he works at like a, a weed dispensary. And he gave me like some like liquid indica stuff, and I'm like I'm kind of too. I don't, should I take it tonight? Yeah, fuck it, I'll take it tonight. Take it tonight and then put on that new three stacks. This has been the Let's Unpack That Podcast. I'll be your host, Lyle Behrens. Thank you very much for tuning in. Um, 
yeah, I don't even really know how far you guys make it, especially when I do these long ass pods like this. Like I, I myself listen to like two hour, three hour pods, but like it takes me like three, four days. Like I watch that shit, like or I listen to that shit like a mini series. But with that said, uh, New Year's Eve, two shows in LA, and uh, we got a uh, again, we got some East Coast and Midwest tour dates coming up. Can't wait to let y'all know about it. Um, outside of that, though, man, hope you guys enjoyed the show and have a good weekend. <laughs>